All right, everybody, welcome into another episode of the Sports Ethos Celtics podcast presented by Ethos Sports. My name is Patrick. I'm the host. I am here with my co-host, Lucas Gaynor, after a tough loss to the Milwaukee Bucks in game one in the second round at home. Bucks came in, they threw that first haymaker, and the Celtics look, you know, they looked really bad, and they didn't take the punch very well. How did you? How were you thinking about this game so far, Lucas? I mean, listen, it was definitely a tough game, okay? You know, there's not many times the Celtics have been punched in the mouth in the year 2022, pretty much. And guess what the Bucks did? They did exactly what you said. They came out swinging. They hit you with the punch. And the Celtics, you know, they didn't respond super well. You know, just to quote Ime and Jason, you know, the Bucks sped the Celtics up. The Celtics did not do what they really wanted to do um, at the end of the day. They played right into the Bucks' hands. So, you know, I think we'll have a better game, game two, but uh, game one, definitely disappointing. And I, you know, honestly was kind of, you know, I was feeling a little bad about the series, Pat. I'm not going to lie after game one. It's a little pessimistic. Yeah, you know, they came out and they just punched us in the mouth. And I feel like we came out good and they were really sloppy and we kind of built a little lead. And then, like, we just couldn't build on it. And then when they got their feet under them, they just went full steam ahead and built up a bunch of momentum, and, and we kind of just lost it from there. Uh, thought the Celtics came out of this game a, a little flat uh, on opportunities to take advantage and, and really stretch the lead. To see this team really uh, take a, a hit and just not recover, it just looked like it, it kind of looked like a boxing match, right? And the Celtics just get hit so hard that they were able to stand in the ring, but they were dazed the rest of the fight, right? They didn't get knocked out, knocked out, but they they were up there, but and they just weren't themselves. And it just seems like they were unexpectedly taken off by the Bucks' ability to pressure the ball and just be a really solid team to out-aggressive the Celtics, which, like you said, hasn't really happened much since they've been really rolling. Yeah, um... I think this was a very interesting game you know uh it didn't really feel like you know it wasn't like the Celtics were down by like 20 25 you know early in the game or anything like that it was hovering around 10 12 the Celtics would make a few plays you know cut at the single digits cut at the six maybe five um and then they would either make a turnover or they commit a foul or Drew Holiday would you know make a big shot but uh you know definitely disappointing at the end of the day um and i think the celtics definitely need to come out swinging with haymakers of their own in game 2 because they just couldn't get over the hump you know a lot of missed open threes you know and that's kind of what i was getting at right Pat, when i say we playing for the bucks hands okay a lot of people are going to say oh look the celtics they got a bunch of amazing shots they just got to make their shots which is partially true but the bucks strategy on defense is we'll live with the al horford contested three We'll live with the smart three. We'll live with the Derek White threes. And apparently they'll live with some Peyton Pritchard threes. So, uh, you know, I think the Celtics need to find, you know, the creases of space that are there for them instead of just taking threes because it's not like the Celtics are an absolutely elite three-point shooting team. Yeah, I agree. You know, playing into the Bucks' hands and, and their strategy is probably to, to make this team a – an outside shooting team. And if you can outshoot the Bucks four games out of seven, they'll live with that. But Celtics aren't the type of team that's built to to take down teams like that. So definitely going to look for what Emi decides to do in that. And also in that first quarter, man, I, I thought Robert Williams was easily his best stint since coming back from that knee surgery. I know there's only his third appearance, but many had like four points, five rebounds. 
and just was everywhere on the offensive glass. I thought he did really well of uh, creating extra opportunities in that first quarter. But then you also had like uh, the opposite side of, of things of, of who really struggled in the first. And, and man, I hate to say it, but it was our guy, Derek White. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen him play a worse quarter of basketball ever in his career than what I saw him play in that first quarter, man. I'm talking about that ball pressure really affected him a lot. He was he had all of his passes pretty much tipped or stolen. He was dribbling stuff off his foot. He just couldn't get into sets. The aggressive uh, play by the Bucks, I thought, really affected Derek White in that first quarter. Yeah, 100%, Pat. Listen, we talked about, uh, you know, his shooting struggles and how, how much are we going to be worried about him, you know, as far as that is concerned. And I think this is the series where, you know, he shot well in game one. I think it was two or three from three. But, you know, this is the series where, you know, the debate we were having, is it going to be that important? This is where it's going to show its face. Uh, because they're going to leave him open. They're going to force him to make open jumpers. And, you know, like you said, you know, we, we defender. We're like Derek White defenders. I've been nothing but supportive. I think he's played really well since he got here, minus the shooting. But this game was one of the first times I saw him struggle as just a basketball player, not just a shooter, like you said. You know, you texted me that he's kind of getting punked. That's how it felt, dude. Like you said, couldn't get the pass off clean. He was getting pushed off his driving lines. You know, I don't think he was terrible defensively, but – you know, still, it wasn't like he was great. He he really struggled, had a bad quarter of basketball. So hopefully he can rebound and play better in, you know, game two. But we're going to need him, honestly, to play a much better. Truthfully, to win the series. He's going to have to be a somewhat yeah. impact player. You know, I'm obviously not looking for 20, 25 from Derek White. But he's going to have to be good distributing the ball, maybe force some turnovers, make shots, get into the lane, finish when he needs to finish, get that 12 to 15 points maybe. And maybe I'm being a little hefty even there, maybe 10 to 12. Okay, but he's going to have to step up in order for the Celtics, you know, I think to walk away with the series, you know, and move on to the Eastern Conference finals. Yeah, and also, too, like, I think it's more important that he gets his playmaking going again rather than him continuing shooting well. And the reason I say that is because when he's not shooting well, he doesn't overshoot and like just make it a terrible thing. But when he's unable to playmake, that's causing opportunities for the Bucks in the fast break game. And it also is taking away a possession from the Celtics and no shots are getting up, you know? So him being able to get the rest of the team back into flow and just be a playmaker is going to be way more important than him consistently shooting down the stretch here. I think it's huge. Uh, the Bucks took away his playmaking ability. It throws off the whole flow of an offense and doesn't just affect one person, but affects everybody else whose job he makes easier by making his job difficult the way they did. Um, I just thought I thought the Bucks were fantastic in that. They really shut down Derek White, uh, playmaking away. Um, we yeah. another point. They were just terrific. Yeah, man. I mean, listen, you can continue your point, but I just want to say, bro, this is not the Nets. You know, it's a whole different ball game defensively. You know, they're going to bring a different scheme and a lot more physicality. Absolutely, and then uh, I want to talk about the at the two twenty four mark in the first. That Jalen Brown putback dunk on Giannis. Oh my God. Man, I can't believe how high he got. He went up there, looked like he like stopped midair for a second, and then he just came down with the dunk, and I was just like, holy man. The way that Jalen Brown went up there and then brought that down, man, brought the house down. Still surprising, though, that Boston wasn't able to take advantage in that first quarter and that they they actually trailed 27-24 to 24 after the first quarter. Yeah, yeah, that dunk was crazy. And, Pat, you know, we had a – in the first quarter, I'm not going to lie, I got a little bit ahead of myself thinking, you know, the Celtics had a little six- or eight-point lead at some point. 
And I was like, wow, things are going pretty well. Okay, okay, you know, this feels pretty good. And then the Bucks fought right back. And I think a lot of that had to do with, you know, Giannis did not shoot well. Neither really did Drew. But Drew made very timely shots, okay? And Giannis was creating for his teammates, Pat, at just an unbelievable level. He was getting them any shot they wanted. He was making over-the-head passes. He was basically driving and, and kicking pretty much, and the ball was flying around. And I think we talked about this last podcast. I know we talked about it off air. Is that this team without Chris Middleton? I'm not going to use the word better, but it's different. You know, the ball flies around more. The ball doesn't stick as much. They are really swinging the ball around, getting the ball to their shooters. Guys like Grayson Allen, who's a terrific role player, Bobby Portis, who's a really good role player, even though I saw him airball shot by about three feet, it looked like. He had some really big buckets down the stretch. He plays good defense. You know, and he's pretty consistent when he's open from three. So, you know, I just got a shout out to Giannis and the Bucks, man. They did really play well, um, you know, the over the course of the whole game. But it really felt like yeah, it wasn't like all of a sudden they went on runs. Like they were just consistently good, man. And I think that Drew and Giannis were probably the two biggest catalysts of that. Oh, yeah. And I also I think uh, another thing Boston has to do in game two that, that really took too long in game one is get Jason Tatum going. There's no reason that Jason Tatum should make his first field goal with 641 left in the second quarter. You're telling me he went a quarter and a half before getting a field goal in? You're telling me we can't scheme a post-up or uh, a backdoor cut, anything to kind of just get a bucket to go in and get him going? You're not going to win a series when you're playing against the best player in the league if your best player isn't getting going as well because you have to try to match that as much as you can. Tatum has to try to be at as high of a level as he possibly can to match Giannis. I'm not saying that they have to even even out, but he has to at least put make that gap as small as he possibly can in order for the rest of the Celtics to do their job and try to bring home wins, you know? So Seeing Jason Tatum not really get going early on, I think was a big catalyst as well for the Celtics not being able to keep up in this one. And uh, in that second quarter, it, it got tough, man. There were some tough stretches, and, and the Bucks just started to pile it on. And next thing you know, they pull away with like eight point lead with like five thirty one left in that second, and it was just it was getting bad. And then you had the Marcus Smart, or you know, injury to end that second quarter. Uh, looked like he dislocated his shoulder, but apparently it was just a, a stinger as he walked, you know, he ran to the back of the locker room, but he also ended up having a, a thigh contusion. Uh, he has some bruising, pretty severe thigh contusion on his uh, leg as well on the right side. So something that is being monitored and he now is questionable for game two, man, that's huge. Like losing Marcus Smart is not going to be easy if the Celtics aren't able to have him out there. Yeah, 100%. And I think I agree. You know, I get that the Bucks are a great defensive team. They play the drop coverage. Him and uh, Brooke Lopez and Giannis protect the rim really well. Okay, they don't. it's not like a switch-everything type of scheme like the Celtics run. You know, they kind of pack in the paint. And, you know, I, but I don't think that's an excuse for Jason scoring his first basket that late into the game. You know, he's got to get his earlier. He doesn't even have, He's not even going to have to really force bad shots. Like, there are spaces, there are creases where Jason can get his shot. No, whether it's from three or from the mid-range or attacking the hoop, I think there are areas, you know, of the court where Jason's going to be able to find his good shots, like shots that are in his repertoire, shots that I know he can knock down. Same thing with Jalen. 
and uh, you know, we'll get to Jalen, but I think that Tatum definitely got to come out assertive. You know, double-digit first quarter points, you know, is really what I'll be looking for here against the Bucks. Maybe eight, ten points in the first quarter would be really great. But uh, yeah, Marcus, man, you know, watching him run off the court like he did was a little scary, but glad it was just a stinger. And then just for that to come around and that worry be diminished for him to have this serious, you know, kind of quad bruising, quad contusion uh, from a couple, you know, hits that he took. And like you said, man, that's the defensive player of the year. The Celtics will have to be going into game two down 0-1, potentially without the defensive player of the year. So we all know how big of a deal that is. But, you know, other players going to have to step up. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum going to have to raise their game. Pritchard is going to have to make more than two of his eight threes this game, no doubt. Grant maybe has to chip in a little more scoring. Same thing with Al. Get, to, get Rob some easy buckets on putbacks and lobs, things of that nature. Uh, so definitely a little bit concerning to be without our guy, the DPOY, the heart and soul of our team, Marcus Smart. Yeah, and I think if, as we get into the second half here, it, it kind of – the Celtics kind of got it close there for a second. They got within five points. And then the Bucks just like came back with a 5-0 run themselves and extended back to 10. And it just kind of seemed like the Bucks were in control from there. Uh, yeah, that Robert Williams injury where he got hit below the belt uh, by Giannis in his leg, and he needed a timeout to gather himself. Uh, Bucks just were in full, full swings of things. You know, Celtics were able to cut that lead to eight going into the fourth quarter, but I don't know how you were feeling. But me, I was like, man, I feel like we've already lost this game. Um, the way that the Bucks were playing just felt like in more control. It was like they were wearing out us. And I think the reason I, I kind of had an idea that the Bucks are winning because I was watching the Celtics do the same exact thing to the Nets the last two games. It was just them beating down, beating down on the Nets, and you just see them keep that like eight-point lead almost throughout, and in the fourth quarter they just take it home. So you kind of you kind of just saw that kind of portraying itself. And, and we also got to be real with it at the end of the day, Ben. Brown was awful. Brown was absolutely awful. He was awful on offense. He wasn't great on defense. He he lost his man a few times, I noticed, on defense, which was really bad. He just has to be better and smarter player if the Celtics want a chance to win. And I understand he was dealing with like a hamstring thing, but like, man, you're still out there. You're performing. It looks like you're you really are dealing with an injury because the way you're so involved on both ends of the floor was so poor. I just, I like to see Jalen Brown try to get a little bit more going, even to be a little bit more aggressive. Even sometimes when he's over aggressive, at least there's like, sometimes he's able to make something happen, but it just kind of seemed like he was non-existent in this game. Yeah, no, he did not play well. I mean, and he didn't start really hitting shots till it was too late. Uh, but uh, just to start with, you know, going to the fourth quarter, honestly, halfway through the third, man, I felt like the game was over. Truth be told, you know, I'm usually not that type of negative guy especially not with the Celtics. You know, I feel like they're able to battle their way back in a lot of games. But it, I just – it felt like the Bucks had the upper hand in this matchup. And every time the Celtics got within striking distance, it felt like the Bucks had an answer. But, yeah, man, Jalen struggled. He straight up did. I mean, four assists, seven turnovers. You never want an assist-to-turnover ratio, you know, with more turnovers than assists, right, no matter what. And uh, there were a couple really bad turnovers at – you know, some points where the Celtics had a chance to, you know, make it a game. And, uh, you know, some crucial turnovers, not just by Jalen, but kind of by a few different guys, you know, really cost the Celtics a chance at a, at a few runs to, you know, get the lead down, maybe to tie it or, or just by one possession. But uh, 
He's going to need to play better. And like I said, I think one area we'll watch out for is the mid-range, pal. I don't know if you agree, but, you know, against drop coverage, like we said, the Bucks are going to, you know, let some guys shoot threes, okay? And, you know, they're going to just pack the paint. Brooke Lopez and Giannis are very good at protecting the rim. So maybe Jalen and, Jalen and Jason, who are both very good mid-range shooters, find that little pocket of space to rise up and make some mid-range jumpers to maybe pull Brooke Lopez a little bit out, and then you can start attacking him downhill a little bit more. Um, you know, maybe that's something to look for, Pat, I think, you know, as far as those two playing better. Yeah, and I think something that's going to change for the Celtics, like, automatically just because things even out, is the Celtics were shooting 32.8% from the field in the first three quarters of Game 1. Their lowest field goal percentage of the season was 34.7% against the Clippers. And they've lost all eight games this year when they shoot less than 39.6%. So there's only been eight times this whole season, even that first half of the season where it was like 40 games that were so bad, it seemed like. They still only shot under 40% as a team eight times. They lost all of them, but I just don't see that being a consistent factor for them moving forward. So that's some good to kind of look forward for the Celtics as they even out a bit. But Part of the reason why I think the fourth quarter just didn't go well either, you get it within eight, and then you start the first three minutes of the fourth quarter with no Jason Tatum on the court, it is the second round of the playoffs. I I understand Jason Tatum is is like, he needs his rest, but at the same time, like if you're going to make a push in that fourth quarter, Jason Tatum needs to be in there. Like You can't let it get too far out. So uh, I thought there there could have been more that Jason Tatum could have been started in the fourth quarter rather than waiting until the league got to 13 points before building, putting them back in after three minutes. But it, it was just a, not a pretty game. Celtics were averaging as well 113.5 points per game against the Nets in the very first round, and that was actually third most in the first round of all teams. So to see them only put up 89 as well, man, you're – Stuff are going to start evening out. I'm not saying they're going to go back to 113, but maybe 105, 107. You put 105, 107, you know, that's going to become closer to where you can kind of get by and get some wins against this Milwaukee Bucks team. So, yeah, this was an ugly game, man. I mean, bro, in the third quarter, it was like 78 to 70. I'm like, yeah, it kind of felt like half, an old school game, didn't scores it? scores that look like this in today's NBA. Yeah, I know, man. It's just kind of like an old-school style game, it felt like to me. It was. And I do agree, Pat. I think the Celtics will shoot better. But here, I have some trivia for you, Pat. Some sad, sad trivia. Sad okay. trivia. Okay, I'm here for it. I'll give you a little bit of a hint here but first, okay? The Celtics went 18 of 50 from three-point land, okay? 18 of 50. Okay. 36%. Pretty good, right? It's okay. How many two-point Baskets to the Celtics making this game. Eight. Ten. So close. 20 points from inside the three-point line. Not in the paint. Inside the three-point line. In live play, obviously not counting free throws. I mean, that's just not okay. Listen, I get that it's an outside shooting league. And, you know, maybe some people will disagree that you got to take the shots that are open. I think there's other shots to be found inside the paint. Higher percentage shots. Then, you know, some of our worst shooters shooting three or Peyton Pritchard pulling from deep or Al shooting with the hand in his face. You know, I think there are better shots to be found. And I get Brooke Lopez is a great paint defender. And I get that the scheme is really good. And it prevents teams from being able to be successful inside the paint. I get that. But you need to find ways around that. You need to attack Grayson Allen. 
rise up over guys that are small to you. You know, the mid range for my money, people talk about it as a lost art in the playoffs. That's an art form that matters again. Okay. Because at the end of the day, you need to be able to break a scheme like this. When you can't score in the paint, you don't have some elite shooters. You got to have people who can go up and get buckets and Jason and Jalen can do that specifically from the mid range. So I don't want to harp on it too much, but I think that's got to happen. And the Celtics need to find more success in inside the three point line. Um, you know, in order to be successful, you know, and putting up that 105, 107, 110 points. Yeah, the Celtics, man, they they just settled too much. They they got comfortable, and and this is almost like a the best way I kind of almost des- describe it. Right, is like they got comfortable, like somebody who gets comfortable, and they just finally got like, ah, oh, I just got like a nice job, or and I got finally got like some things I like. I'm going to get comfortable instead of getting more things I like and then wonder why like everybody else around me is, is moving up. And to me, it was kind of like the Celtics got super complacent because they're like, wow, these are really nice shots. These are really good shots. And they just kind of sat there and took them and rather than trying to find even a more efficient shot or being more aggressive and trying to put more pressure on the interior defense. Uh, but credit again to the Bucks because Giannis and Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis, those are long bodies. That's something that the Nets didn't have. That is why the Celtics had so much success in the first round was their ability to get easy points at the rim due to the fact that there wasn't any rim protection. But this team has plenty of rim protection. I'd like to see what they can do in the high post with a Al Horford and and see if we're able to use him as a passer a lot to kind of pull out those rim protectors a little bit more. I also wonder if Daniel Tice kind of sees a little bit more minutes because he does offer a little bit more stretch to the floor. You know, if Horford or and, and Tice hit one or two shots, then Brooke Lopez and, and Giannis have to come out more, and that allows things to open up more efficient for yeah, I the Celtics team. Out. So. So it's going to be very interesting here to to see the adjustments as well of what uh, Ime has in store. Very interested to see the adjustments. You know, I wonder, I mean, listen, the Celtics played about as good as defense as you could ask on Giannis, you know, as far as the shooting is concerned. You know, I think, you know, the role guys kind of killed us. Drew had a terrific game. Listen, honestly, I don't think Drew makes some of these shots in game two that he made in game one. So that'll be definitely be interesting to see. But no, Pat, I'm intrigued to see how email you know responds and adjusts because he didn't really have to adjust too much last series because of how flawless his plan was so we'll see you know how it goes here against the bucks and like you said a completely different animal as far as length and rim protection is concerned well there's no nick claxton to attack you know there's no seth curry patty mills Kyrie irving lineups to attack so uh definitely going to be a little bit of a different ball game and, uh, you know, as far as Jason sitting in the fourth, I didn't really touch on that. You know, I got on Bud last year, a couple of years ago, for not playing Giannis more minutes in the playoffs. And it's weird that that role is a little reversed right now. Like like you said, man, you need our best player on the court. You can't wait until it gets too late to put our guy in and, you know, try to make a run. So I would like to see Jason, you know, arguably play the entire fourth quarter, maybe sit the first minute. I get, like you said, he's tired. I don't want to push these guys too hard, but – at the end of the day, you need your best players out there to win. Um, and also, Pat, I wonder if we could see some Neesmith, too. 
I think Neesmith's physicality and his aggressiveness could actually play well in this series as well. Just some energy, man, because we were kind of dead. Like, just getting Neesmith flying around offense, defense, maybe hits a couple threes. And they're letting letting a lot of contact go, which is – Folds more for a Neesmith type role, right? Like, I just don't know if like you may trust him enough. I don't know if you may trust him. Exactly. We're on the same page. We don't think you may trust him. Um, but one thing that I, I will say, as as Lucas is having some technical difficulties, there's just a lot of things that I think the Celtics team could have had go for them in a better way. You know, it's the adjustments are definitely going to be there. I'm I'm guessing that. Ime might dig into his bench a little bit more, uh, hoping for some type of stability in that area as far as like, hey, maybe Peyton Pritchard doesn't end up getting those uh, minutes, as much minutes as, and maybe Neesmith kind of chunks into that. The Celtics just need a little bit more of a look uh, defensively. It looks like Lucas has come back from his uh, technical difficulties earlier, yes. but um, I was just talking I about – I'm just talking about how (laughs) you're good. Uh, I just carried on with uh, the Peyton Pritchard and uh, Aaron Neesmith about how maybe Pritchard's minute go down a little bit. And that's where we can find a fit for Aaron Neesmith minutes sometimes, because I do think, you know, in a series that the refs are really letting a lot of physicality go, like maybe Neesmith, even if he goes out there and gets one or two fouls, like let him go out and get one or two fouls, let him put some, you know, bruises and stuff on the other guys. Cause I mean, you got guys on our team that are getting hit up, you know, and Marcus smart getting banged up. So it's going to be a physical series. So we're going to need as many bodies as we're able to disperse out there. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. I was just saying, I don't know where I cut out, but listen, you know, I think me saying that I want to see some Neesmith kind of means a lot because, you know, I'm not always Neesmith's number one supporter, you know, get him out on the court, but I agree, you know, it's physicality, his energy, and honestly, man, seeing the end of the bench guys come in, like, they were just playing with the energy. And I think it kind of pointed out to me how the Celtics lacked a little bit of energy maybe. You know, they, the effort was there. That's not what I'm trying to say. Like, they were lackadaisical. But their energy got punched out of them, man. The physicality exactly. They kind of get the wind got blown out of them. Exactly. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see a few Neesmith minutes here if we need them. And also, like you said, maybe some more Tice inside, but. I don't want to see Giannis and Tice matched up. That's not something I want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dan Tice didn't get a lot of playing times. And then we had some quotes for um, after the game that I wanted to, to touch on as well. Um, Ime said the adjustments is obviously playing against their physicality. So the Celtics can put their ball handers in different situations to help elevate the pressure. Al Horford had a comment saying they did a really good job. They did a really good job getting into our guys. They played harder than us. They were better. Uh, Jason Tatum said the Celtics need to play with more poise. He thought they were too careless. He said they all need to be stronger with the ball, more decisive with their reads. Uh, I think they just uh, sped us up. We just have to do a better job of just doing what we want to do and not letting them dictate that throughout the course of the game. And then Jason Tatum was asked if he said uh, anything to Jalen Brown after this rough night. And he said, oh, shit, we all had a rough night. I have all the faith in the world in JB. No one should hang their heads. Just get ready for the next one. And then Jalen Brown also had some comments out there. Uh, we still have our confidence. We'll get back to Celtics basketball and be ready for game two. We got to be the harder playing team. They came in with a chip on their shoulder and were more aggressive. So it, it seems as if uh, from some of these quotes from even Al Horford to Eme to Pate or not Pate, but Jason and Jalen is the – underlining thing is that 
the Bucks just played more physical. And that was something that was obvious that we even already touched on. But the fact that the players are, are notating it and stuff is I'm expecting a lot more energy from these guys coming out um, game two. I'm expecting them to really put it to the Bucks, and it's going to be interesting to see which haymaker lands first for which team that kind of startles the other one. And I think it could unload some some runs here. I think we could see a, a pretty crazy run with like a 12-0 run or something from one of these teams at some point because they're going to be really getting after each other, I think, in game two. Yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, I think it's going to be a dogfight. I agree that the Bucks sped up the Celtics. The Celtics got to play their game, not not fall right into the Bucks' hands. Uh, you know, something else I saw, you know, at the end of that game was uh, see the video of Brad. Yeah, around seven thirty, where he left uh, early. I don't blame the guy. Listen, I don't know if people are going to be mad at him for that. I'm not blaming him for that because I felt like the game was over definitely by about seven minutes left in the game, and Brad was honestly probably disappointed with what he's seeing, man. So uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know get too mad at Brad, but I figured we should just bring that up because I'm sure people are talking about that. So Brad basically just walked yeah. out of the game with about seven and a half minutes left, and uh, you know he knew what the Celtics' fate was, just like I did when Giannis did that self alley oop off the backboard. So you know at that point the game was pretty much over. So I don't blame Brad too much, but I just goes to show, I think that just goes to show Brad's passion, man. He didn't want to watch that this team he put together that he probably believes in so much just getting punched in the mouth and, you know, staying down on the mat. So hopefully we'll see a lot better game two from the Celtics. Yep. And then I got more quotes, man. There's a lot of quotes after this game one that were pretty uh, eye-opening. Ime said we were really good defensively in the half court, thought the Celtics' poor offense aided the Bucks at the other end, said when the Celtics looked at the numbers, they were as good as they've been all year in the half court. So, yeah, limiting, limiting the turnovers. The turnovers were killing the Celtics, I thought, a lot in this game and allowed the the Bucks to get in transition. The Bucks made us pay in transition almost all night. It seemed like any type of ball that was in transition, the Bucks found a way to finish, whether it was a Giannis, you know, Statue of Liberty type layup or, or just kind of getting kicked out to one of the, the Bucks players who were hitting a shot. So um, you may also thought the Celtics missed several drop-offs at the, at the basket. Didn't find their guys underneath the rim very well. And then Eman also said the Bucks were forcing Tatum and Brown left throughout left game one, so the Celtics can tweak some things against that strategy. And then uh, Eman also said the Celtics emphasized today that they don't need to force open threes. They can get those whenever against the Bucks' defensive strategy. So um, a lot of emphasis that they're going to be focused on getting a little bit easier buckets, trying to get some more drop-offs you know, under the, ba- under the basket. you got to get guys like uh, Brooke Lopez and Giannis in foul trouble. Like the best way to beat rim protection is attacking it enough to get them in foul trouble. And, and you're going to start getting to the line. When you start getting to the line, those are easy buckets. Yep. Agreed. I mean, Giannis probably could add a couple more fouls than he had in this game, but you know, I'm not going to even come close to blaming the referees. You know, that goaltend I know is a big missed call. You know, I get that, but like you said, the bulls are, I mean, the bulls, the bucks are just more physical, man. And the Celtics need to come out and match that. You know, this is not the Nets, man. I don't – I'm with you. Get the big guys in foul trouble. Attack them. Like, listen, I know Brooke Lopez is really, really good. I believe that Jason can finish around over and through him. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll just have to see game two, man. I'm really intrigued for how this happens. 
you know, how this is going to go down because I don't know what the adjustments are really going to be. I have an idea of what I would want to do, but, you know, we're just going to have to see what Ime does, um, see if the Bucks make any adjustments. And I think the biggest adjustment, hopefully, Pat, is the regression to the mean. The Celtics shoot a little bit better than they did. So, you know, that should be a big adjustment that just happens naturally. So we'll have to just, you know, like I said, wait and see tomorrow, man. It's a huge game. To me, Pat, I don't know if you feel the same way. This feels like a winner go home game for me. It really does. Yeah, you hate to say that, but you're talking about two home games. So I I mean I'm I'm probably right there with you. Um and then uh two other quotes here that I have left for us to talk about here was Derek White said, I think I gotta do a better job of just being more steady. Said he needs to avoid letting the pressure impact him and get the Celtics into something every time down. And as also said, Robert Williams said on getting struck below the belt, I just wanted to comment on this because this was funny. Um, he said, thankfully, I made it out, made it out. And he said, the trainer said they wanted to check it out. And Williams to them said, check out what? <laughs> so <laughs> clearly, uh, Robert Williams didn't want, you know, to, you know, after he got hit below the belt to be checked out uh, any extensively. He just needed a, a couple, couple minutes to regather himself after getting hit below the belt. But some real crucial things, um, three things that I'm looking for for the Celtics to do better in game two, physicality, energy, and get get your stars going. Those are the three things I think are going to be really needed in order for the Celtics to uh, come out in game two and, and win a much-needed game because we can't lose both games here on at home against defending champs and go down 2-0. Yeah, I 100% agree. You know, Jason's got to get going because, you know, listen, we've been – We've been really hyping up Jason Tatum, and I think deservedly so. But these are the moments he needs to show up in order to, you know, back up this talk that we've been having about him being top five, you know, about him being top seven. So about him being, you know, MVP candidate. So he's got to back it up, man. And Jalen's got 100% play better and hopefully smart plays. You know, that'll obviously be a big miss if he doesn't. But definitely looking for the stars to step up. And uh, the adjustments for, you know, that Ime is going to make, you know, on how the Celtics end up getting their buckets. Um, Because, I mean, listen, I don't want to say that it's like a balloon was popped, but the Celtics, I said this at the beginning of the show, man, the Celtics have not been punched in the mouth in a while, man. And we were riding high. Listen, I was, obviously, I attempt to be objective as possible, but it was impossible not to feel really good about this team. So I don't want to say it brought me back down to earth because I don't think I was in outer space, but definitely grounded me a little bit this game you know in which we were dominated and played really poorly and so hopefully you know we have a great game too more of what we've seen in the year 2022 you know than what we saw last last game yeah um hoping to see a lot better uh things from the celtics as well as we're hoping to see a lot better decisions from you and what i mean by that is you guys need to head over to manscape.com and go and get some product man go and get some trimmers for yourself you know you can make yourself look all good and fresh cut make sure you guys use that code hoopball20 to get that 20 percent off your full purchase order Man, I'm telling you, they got some great things over there. It's going to allow you to really, really be excited and have a great summer knowing that you're looking really fresh and clean. Yes, sir. Go save yourself some money. Can never hurt. Hoopball20 is that code for 20% off. Like Pat said, you know, we want the Celtics making better decisions. I also want you making better decisions. Clean up the beard. Save yourself some money while you're at it. Go over to manscaped.com and use the code Hoopball20. But Pat, 
I think that does it for us tonight. Unless you got anything else. No, man. Just make sure you guys head over to Twitter and make sure you guys go follow the show at Ethos Celtics, man. You get, we try to tweet out during the games as much as possible. You can also follow Lucas at Luca underscore Gainer, me at Ballin Opinions. Make sure you guys also head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. Share it with your friends, your family members, your coworkers, the people you don't like, man. Just, just share it. Spread the love, man. We appreciate it all the love that is spread for us. And then also head over to Spotify. We're on Spotify. Uh, we just give us, give us a five-star rating there as well. Also head over to Spotify live, their app that they have. This is where we like to do our recordings in live Please. and you can come in. Sometimes we let people up yep. and sometimes we let people talk. We have discussions in the comments while we're doing our show. It's a great time. It's a great vibe, man. We just want to vibe with everybody who's out here supporting us and we do appreciate your time. 100% one of the big reasons we do it on Spotify live is for that interaction. So if you can download it, you got time. You know, we usually record post games or maybe the day after games at nighttime, you know, around 7 Eastern, 8 Eastern, maybe a little bit later. But uh, definitely pull up Spotify Live, ask some questions. You know, when we're not in a time crunch or Pat and I don't go for like an hour, we'll let people up, get some discussion. You know, like Pat said, go Spotify, Apple Podcasts, sportsethos.com, however you want to listen to the show. We appreciate you no matter what. Uh, make sure you leave those ratings. Those are views, ask any questions, follow us on Twitter, and uh, appreciate every single one of you that downloads and listens. Yeah, man. We'll all catch you guys on the flip side. We'll see you for game two and hopefully a nice Celtics win. Let's get out of here. Yes, hopefully we're coming back with one one. <laughs> Go Celtics, so, baby. Go Celtics. <laughs>